All right, everyone. Welcome back. This week, Kayla sits down with Dr. Devin Catalano, Director of Nutrition for Woody's Horse Nutrition. Talk about a wealth of knowledge. Dr. Catalano can help your horse and maybe save your checkbook a little too. This week's episode is brought to you by He's a Fiery Fling. Known around the barn as Mick, He's a Fiery Fling is proudly owned by Delancey Enterprises, LLC, Dave and Sidney Delancey. Mick is the next up and coming junior sire to be on the lookout for. Mick has proven he has what it takes to win in the barrel pin and is on track to show in the 2021 roping fraternities and incentive breakaway ropings. His sire, a streak of fling, has produced earners over $4.5 million and his dam, She's a Fire and Bully, is an own daughter of Bully Bullion and out of a 1D and pro rodeo winning mare, Kachina Firewater. Standing at 15.2 and weighing in at a healthy 1,200 pounds, this Bay Roan is a head turner everywhere he goes. He is color tested in a six panel double negative. He's a fiery fling, won over $15,000 his futurity year with limited showings due to COVID. He is a UBRA Rocky Mountain Futurity Reserve Champion and finished top five with fastest stallion time in round one of the Royal Crown Race. He's paid into the best incentives in the industry. The Colorado Classic, Royal Crown, Future Fortune, Select Stallion Stakes, Five State Breeders, the Cowboy Classic, and is on a wait list for more. Mick is also recognized for breeding by the American Paint Association. Check him out on Facebook and at www.he'safieryfling.com to learn more and get your breeding contract for 2021. All right, get your pen and paper ready and find your rewind button because Dr. Catalano is dishing out free information. This is Money Barrel. Today, we are going in a little different uh, direction than normal, but I'm really excited. We are getting the chance to talk to Devin Catalano, who is the Director of Nutrition for Woody's Horse Nutrition, which a lot of us in the barrel racing industry know as Woody's Performance Horse Feeds and the Summer Heat and um, those type of things. And today, we're really here to talk about nutrition for mares and foals and those growing horses since it's breeding season now. So thank you for joining us, Devin. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm a little nervous. It's my first podcast, but should be easy with you. (laughs) Don't be nervous. We have no rules. Um, Quick story, because I think it's interesting and it just always goes to show how small our industry is. Um, Our Episode sponsor, Cindy Delancey, and he's a fiery fling, is a dealer for Woody's Feeds, and she reached out to me and was like, hey, you know, I think this would be a great topic. I have a connection for you. And so she connected Devin and I, and through the emails, we realized that Devin and I actually went to college at CSU together, um, and the last class we had together was equine nutrition, which obviously started Devin's career and that was the last nutrition class I took. <laughs> well, I so, was I was thinking back to that and I'm pretty sure I was that obnoxious person in our group project that insisted on doing like three times the amount of work that was actually required. And so, you know, again, yeah, looking back, that really was an indicator of what my career was going to be, but I should apologize now for driving everyone else nuts with the amount of work I made us all do. Hey, it it worked out in the end. (laughs) And I still, I mean, the couple things I remember from nutrition, I was about as limited as I have, but 
I might be able to follow you a little bit. So just goes to show the industry is always very small and, you know, kind of cool to reconnect because what it's been, it's been almost 10 years oh, or so. Scary, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, so, you know, I, I won't take up the whole show, but Devin, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your role as director of nutrition before we kind of dive into our main topic. Sure. Okay. I'll give you the abbreviated version. Um, so I guess the skinny of it is, is that I grew up in Massachusetts, um, riding English, hunter jumpers, a little eventing, a lot of just getting into shenanigans with my barn friends, went to CSU with you for equine science. And then from there, I really realized that I wanted to you know, maybe it's a mistake, maybe it's not, but I, I opted to make my career with horses as opposed to just having them on the side. And so I went to Kentucky Equine Research. I did a year-long internship with them. And from there, that sparked an interest in research and the science of it and the nitty-gritty, which then prompted my decision to go up to the University of Minnesota for my, both my master's and my PhD in equine nutrition. Um, so my background there is very forage heavy, very call it horse management. Um, we did a lot of work with um, body weight prediction equations and a lot of you know daily management tips and tricks for horse owners. So I just really like helping horse people. That's, I mean, I would, if you had to boil me down to one sentence, that's what it would be. Um, and then from there, I actually, you know, through my time there, I met the previous nutritionist for Woody's who luckily when I was graduating, he was retiring and he said, Hey, would you be interested in joining industry? And I said, well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like a job. That'd be ideal. And so I got connected with Woody's and since then we've been working on um, you know, making new products, keeping our existing products really solid and good, and just feeding horses. Um, my So my day-to-day -day role there, so I'm the director of nutrition, which is a broad statement. It's a small company, so I wear many hats. So I am doing research and development for new products, um, maintaining formulas for all of the existing products and doing a lot of quality control. So that's the stuff that you might think of that's like testing inbound ingredients, testing all outbound final, you know, final batches of each product. We test everyone that goes out. Um, and then little things just like, you know, something that I, I didn't know would be my job, but going through and like tracking all of the procedures and I'm getting a you know, a slight mechanic background now and actually understanding of how all of these machines and things work that goes into making feeds. So I, I do a little bit of everything right now. I mean, there really is a lot that goes into it that people like myself probably take for granted because, you know, I do my little research and I read the feed labels and then I just buy my bags of grain and well, even even with a PhD, I there was a lot that I didn't understand about the actual physical process of making feed, especially making pelleted feed. It is way harder than you would ever think. And so there's a lot that goes into it. And so it's really it's been really interesting to learn the actual logistics of, you know, 
you know, I came in from the academic nutrition science side and I said, okay, I want to make this feed with these ingredients, with these numbers on the tag. And our, <laughs> our, our pellet mill manager looked at me and he's like, that is not going to work. I was like, what do you mean that's not going to work? And he goes, yeah, that, that literally won't hold together. I was like, oh, okay. And, okay. Okay. And, and then, you know, fast forward, we, we figured it out. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. I'm happy to let people just take it for granted. You know, that's, that's my job is to make your lives easier. You know, I do all of the heavy lifting on our end and then you can trust what's in the bag and feed your horse and go run a pattern or go for a trail ride. Well, I do appreciate that. And I, I'm sure we're going to have to have you on multiple times because there's obviously multiple classes of horses. But um, we specifically wanted to talk about, you know, the mare full growing horse aspect of it. And one of the most important things, and I think it was, I, I don't even want to say who said it because I don't remember, but it was about feeding mares that are going to be bred and you know, that whole gestation period about basically like when they have the full, that is the end result of baking your cake, basically like the ingredients you put into it, there's no change in them now um, because your full is already born. And that just really stuck out to me that like broodmare nutrition is really, really important when we are raising these foals you know, that costs thousands and thousands of dollars and we want them to be competitive and as healthy as possible. So um, I guess, can you give us kind of like a main rundown of like from the start of what people need to make sure their broodmares have in their nutritional program? Yeah, I I love that analogy because it really it hits the, the nail on the head there because, yeah, you're, you know, as as the mare's pregnancy progresses, as the fetus is growing, like all of those building blocks are right there. And sure, obviously like a, a, a lot of growth happens when the foal hits the ground, but really all of the building blocks are there. So when I would, I would say the, I, I came up with a couple of key points that are true from day one of pregnancy up through maturity of a horse um, and they really apply, but I think they're absolutely critical for broodmare health. I would say the number one thing you need to do is match your mare's caloric need. So some mares, even when they're open, have a higher caloric need than just, than, than what hay can provide. So they need, call it a concentrate. I, I hesitate to use the word grain just because that's a little ambiguous of what that actually is, but we'll, for the, for this purpose, I'll say I'll say concentrate to mean anything beyond hay or pasture. So, okay. so some mares, open or not, need more than hay. Some mares don't. So I would say for those horses, a lot of times, I think the biggest problem I see with brood mares, particularly in early pregnancy, is that people go, oh, you know, she's maintaining her weight fine on hay. She doesn't need anything else. But that early part of pregnancy, particularly once they hit month seven, you know, caloric needs, energy needs are still pretty low, but all of those micronutrient needs really start to increase as the foals, as the fetus, you know, growth rate increases. So 
if she does not need a concentrate beyond hay, you need to be feeding her some sort of ration balancer or some sort of forage balancer that gives her all of the micronutrient ne micronutrients she needs in the right ratios. Um, so that, again, I mean, that's talk about block one of all of the building blocks. So, you know, so from the get-go, either feed her a ration balancer or a growth feed, kind of depending on what she needs calorically. Um, and really, you know, wh what I say when you match the caloric need is that you can really choose the right product around that. And this is true. This is true of any horse, of any life stage or workload. But when you think about a mare, mm -hmm. if you've got an easy keeping quarter horse or a pony or warm bloods, they tend to be easier keepers. They'll probably be fine with a ration balancer up until the last two or three months of pregnancy. Um, if you've got a thoroughbred, they might just naturally need a bit more than that. Um, so start with a balancer. Another thing that I often suggest is that, so there's a huge jump in caloric needs from the last month of pregnancy into the first month of lactation or nursing, it's, it's like a 50% increase in calories. They go, oh, so, wow. so if you think about, so an average idle horse needs about 15 megacalories a day. That's about like 15,000 calories a day. Um, a, a broodmare first couple months, call it 15, 16. That month 11, she needs about 20 megacalories. So that's like an increase, but it's not that much you can get away with giving her like a little more hay or a little more alfalfa when she gives birth and starts nursing she needs 30 megacals so that's double what an idle horse needs and it's a big jump of what she needs when she's right before she gives birth um, and so what i recommend with that is that if she doesn't need anything beyond a balancer even through that last month of pregnancy, start feeding her a little bit of a growth formula in those last couple of weeks or couple months to get her whole gut digestive system used to that feed, um, just so that there's one less abrupt change when the foal hits the ground. Um, does that, that makes yeah. Sense. So it's kind of like, well, not kind of, I mean, birth is a very traumatic event on the body, right? And there's like a lot of changes hormones, everything is just an overload. And so if we can start, even if she doesn't need growth feed up to what the, the bag directions say, you can start by giving her a pound or two, get her system used to it. And so then when the foal hits the ground, you can ramp up that concentrate, that growth feed right away to meet her caloric needs without a major upset to the system. Um, and that will just keep everything consistent. That will help milk production kind of come in as it needs to and stay steady and keep up with what the foal needs. So those are the two things in terms of feeding brood mares. Um, I'm kind of, I would say, um, you could call it old school or a traditionalist. Like I don't necessarily believe in doing anything ultra fancy in terms of feeding and supplements. Mm -hmm. So if you just pick the appropriate product for what your mare needs, you know, a ration balancer will be high nutrients, low calories. Um, if she needs the calories, you can feed a growth feed. It's if she needs the increased calories feed or the growth feed, either way, you're keeping her body condition 
consistent, you're keeping the nutrition consistent, and all of that consistency is what will give you success in raising a healthy foal, keeping your mare ready to be bred back whenever that time is for your program. Yeah, I think that's, you know, a really great point in myself. I've just recently in the past year kind of dove into those ration balancers um, because, you know, we all know that horses aren't meant to be given, you know, four, five, six pounds of grain a day. Um, a lot of feeds you need to, but when I realized, and I don't know why I looked over them, but I did. Um, but when I looked into the ration balancers more, I was like, look at this, a pound a day. That's all they really need. But I know that they have all of the vitamins and minerals and, you know, the actual things they need. And I don't have to worry about it. Like, I don't have to try to, you know, figure it out myself or add supplements like, it keeps it, keep, it, really it keeps simple. it simple. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the kiss, the keep it simple, silly or stupid or however, however nice <laughs> you want to be. Yeah. So, but that's, I mean, you know, and I've, I've in the classes that I've taught, I've had a couple of students ask questions of like, well, Dr. Devin, like my, like you're telling me about this ration balancer, but my horse looks fine. They're fat and shiny on hay. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's true. Some horses will do fine and without testing the hay, you don't know. So that's like, that's a whole nother podcast right there talking about testing hay. Yeah. But the difference between, you know, an idle horse sitting in a pasture not being used versus a broodmare versus a full broodmares have, you know, really precise nutrient needs. And like you talked about, like you said, you know, when during pregnancy, that's when you need to get it right. And so feeding a ration balancer will make sure they have exactly the right vitamins they need, all of the minerals they need, you know, in the right ratios. Like we talk about, you know, calcium and phosphorus. <laughs> well, we need to make sure that, you know, it's not just okay, but that it's actually really ideal and dialed in for like for fetus, fetal skeletal growth. Like we need to make sure that that's right. Same thing with, you know, Calcium and phosphorus, I would say, are probably one of the more talked about or two of the more talked about nutrients. Um, and we know that. And I would say for the most part, most hays that I analyze are pretty good in that. Lesser talked about nutrients are things like copper and zinc, also really important for bone health. You know, we talk about growing a healthy foal. We need we need proper bone health. And so making sure we have the right amounts of copper and zinc, which are often deficient in hay, that's that's where the ration balancer comes in. And it's like talking about optimizing health. Yeah, I I could I could wax on about ration balancers for a long time. But it's, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, you feed a pound I mean for an I would say for an average horse feed about a pound, brood mares, foals, you know, into weanlings they would need a little bit more than a pound just to meet their needs, but it's a great way to get everything they need from a nutrient standpoint. If they're getting all of the energy and calories they need from their hay or their pasture. And so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up too. So as far as hay goes, um, you know, I know it varies depending on the part of the country you're in, but you know, say you only feed alfalfa or say you only feed grass, like, or I guess, what is the ideal combination? That's probably a really loaded question. Yeah. But you get what yeah. I'm saying. Like, 
Well, as far as forage goes, what's the best for your brood bears? So, yeah, that is a load. I'll give you the extension answer. Krishan is going to listen to this and laugh. Okay. It depends. And, and because Perfect. I have to, I have to qualify like every answer I ever give with it depends because I'm like, well, can I test your hay? Can I look at your own horse? But so yeah, overall, most horses, I will even brood mares will do phenomenally on free choice grass hay. Um, up here, you know, up here, pretty much everywhere but the south, we have predominantly cool season grasses. So that's your Timothy, your orchard grass, fescues, things like that. Horses do great in that. They've been doing great in that for years. Um, out here in Colorado, alfalfa grows really well. So a lot of times it's less expensive than grass hay. And so people are feeding that. I would say that if you are feeding 100% alfalfa hay, you need to use a balancer that's formulated for alfalfa hay um, because you know, the main difference between alfalfa and grass hay is that alfalfa hay contains a lot more calcium. And so a grass hay balancer won't necessarily balance that as well as one that's specifically made for alfalfa. Um, yeah, makes, so yeah, it's like I said, we, the, the feed company does the work for you. So weight wise, and I guess it's a combination of like what your horse needs and what's available to you. But I would say the ideal option for most broodmares would be free choice grass hay or pasture um, if they are overweight give it to them in a hay net to kind of slow them down um, if you need to limit them you know a lot of people advocate for free choice and you have to have that for a healthy horse no a lot like some horses my horse would be obese on free choice hay <laughs> he, he doesn't move enough yeah so it's as long as you're feeding at least about one and a half percent of their body weight in hay, I mean, a broodmare will naturally need more than that from a caloric standpoint, but you know, you can put it in a slow feed hay net um, and just give them access throughout the day. Um, if you have access to alfalfa, I think that's a great way to increase energy and calories for the mare. So you can do, you know, my ideal would be a 50, 50, combo grass hay alfalfa um, if you go beyond 50 percent alfalfa i would definitely be cautious and say test your hay and make sure you balance it and that you're not you know low on phosphorus or too high on calcium all oh, good yeah. points and now craig's gonna be like uh now we have to test our <laughs> hay <laughs> but we'll test it and i'll balance it for so, you there, there you go <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah i would say I'll, you know with the hay and the alf as on that note, I think alfalfa is a great way to. It's you know one tricky thing with broodmares is that they they can't always physically eat enough to meet their energy requirements without filling up, and so alfalfa because it contains more calories per pound, it's more energy dense than grass hay. It's a great way to get more calories in them in the same volume of product. And so, especially when during, you know, during parturition, when the foal hits the ground, switch them over to alfalfa or an alfalfa mix, and they'll still be able to meet what they, what they need calorically. I, that, I mean, that's really good advice. If you've got a mare that you have to limit her hay intake when she doesn't have a foal on her side, 
you can maybe try and you and a lot of times you know you know your mare right so but if you've got a mare that's a really easy keeper you have her limited unlimited hay while she's pregnant you can try just giving her free choice hay or adding in a little alfalfa to the mix when she's nursing and that could work you know in conjunction with a balancer but if she's already on free choice hay during pregnancy i you know I don't want to say always, but pretty much you can, uh, again, assume, you know, you know what they say when you assume, but if she's on free choice hay when she's pregnant, she will need more than that when she's lactating. And that's where feeding a growth formula will get her what she needs in the amount that she can physically eat. Makes sense. So yeah, what, I mean, you, well, you already kind of said it doubles, but like, now the foal is born, what do people need to make sure, you know, that their mares are getting? And when do you start creep feeding foals? That type of stuff, I do not remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> we were yeah, so I would, you know, I think the, the starting point would be to follow the feeding directions on a bag or on, on the company's website. Um, you know, for example, like, an average quarter horse mare in the first month of lactation on the average grass hay needs about 10 pounds of our growth formula to, you know, to balance out energy and all of the other requirements that will start to taper down slowly over the next six months, depending on when you wean, of course. Um, But I would just watch, watch your mare's condition. You know, it's, I don't like to make, big changes like you know if you it's kind of like if you're mm-hmm. swerving on an, an icy road the the risk of overcorrecting. so I would rather you know make small changes to the amount that I'm feeding her and just watch to see if that's working um, but feed her to her condition needs so I wouldn't want her to get too fat I wouldn't want her to get too thin um, if you can see the last rib or two mm-hmm while she's nursing, I think that is perfectly acceptable to me. Um, If you're planning on um, breeding her back right away, I would consider keeping her more of a body condition six or six and a half even, um, just because her energy needs are going to stay high for a long time. Um, But it's really just watching Mm -hmm. her condition. Um, And then as far as the fall goes, you know, they'll be nursing at least up through three months, you know, I, people have different opinions on when to wean. I always recommend starting to creep feed maybe about a month or a couple weeks before weaning. So if you're planning on weaning at month four or five, you know, at 90 days old, start creep feeding them a little bit. It doesn't need to be a whole lot, but just something to where they learn what feed is. Um, they they get used to it, they like it, they seek it out. So that when you wean them, you know, they're well, we often talk about something called like the weanling slump, where just through the stress of weaning, they get so stressed and they stop eating, they lose a bunch of weight, you feed them more feed, and then there's a compensatory kind of growth spurt. And that's where you run into problems is when growth rate is going up and down. So so the key is really yeah. just trying is consistency, which I know is like is way easier said than done. But you know, keep so I kind of in summary, keep the mare 
kind of at a body condition score five or six, um, you'll know your mare better than I do. Um, start creep feeding a couple weeks before weaning. And then it kind of, it, it depends on your full, it depends on your weanling, the breed, you know, where you're living, the environment, you know, all of the things, right? But I would say a general rule of thumb is about a pound of feed per month of age, up until about maybe eight pounds, then you can kind of start plateauing like a little bit there. Um, but really, to keep, you know, to keep a weanling healthy, as they, you know, age into yearling status, you just want to keep their growth rate basically as steady as you can. Um, and so mm -hmm. I like to see I like to see them kind of the same as the mare. I like to see them with like maybe one or two ribs showing. Um, I'd rather have them a little bit lean than a little bit fat. Um, you can always catch up a lean horse easily as they mature. Um, but if you put too much, if they start, if a full, if a, I should say, if a yearling starts putting fat down, that puts just undue stress on their joints, on their body. And that's when you run the risk of developing issues. Yeah. So that's um, a question I wanted to ask because I, I buy a lot of, well, I don't buy a lot, but uh, weanlings, yearlings, kind of that younger horse. And, um, you know, it seems like you're giving them a lot of grain if you're giving them, you know, seven, eight pounds of grain a day. And so, I've made this mistake before. I'm like, oh, that's too much. You know, I'm going to give them less. But then by doing that, they're really not getting the full amount of vitamins and minerals that the grain right. and they're getting because you're not feeding Yes, and it, it very much depends. And like, again, if you're worried, reach out to your feed company's nutritionist, reach out to me, whomever you're feeding. They can actually mm -hmm. help you and do a breakdown of all of the nutrients. Um, you know, the way that our feed is formulated, it's really hitting, it's, I would say, we intentionally fortified it a little bit high in terms of micronutrients to give owners wiggle room from a caloric basis. So, you know, if you end up maybe needing four pounds for a six-month-old, that is still probably going to be fine. It also, it also really gotcha. depends on, you know, how much forage that weanling is starting to eat, you know, are they, is it depending on the time of year, if they're out on pasture, you know, it's hard, it's hard to estimate how much pasture any horse is given. Um, you know, we've worked on that mm -hmm. for years, but it's, it talk about, um, unglamorous research right there, but, <laughs> but yeah. that, uh, I just had some flashbacks, <laughs> but so if you're if they're out on pasture, you think about that. That's like soft, tender grass that's easier for them to eat and digest. Like these these young horses, their digestive systems aren't ready to eat, you know, old mature hay the way that an adult horse is. So if you've got your yearling out on pasture, they're probably getting more nutrition and more energy than they would be if it's February and like if you've got an early baby and it's February and they're already starting to eat hay or well, be, let's be more realistic here. Say it's March or April, still in Colorado. We don't have pasture yet. So they're eating the hay that mom mm -hmm. is eating. 
they're probably not going to consume as much hay as they would pasture. And they won't consume as much kind of old mature hay as they would, you know, really nice soft leaves, things like that. And so when you tie that back into how much grain they're getting, it's really just kind of about balancing and managing their condition. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I, again, I would advocate for free choice hay for a young growing horse. Um, they, they won't, of course, they won't eat as much an adult horse, but basically give them as much forage as they can eat and then balance their grain needs around that. If you, I mean, you can feed a ration balancer to a full, you don't necessarily need a growth formula. And it, it goes hand in hand. It's one is not better or worse than the other. It depends on what what your horse needs, right? So if you've got, you know, some quarter horses, they tend to be easier keepers. There's a very good chance that your yearling could get three pounds of a balancer and then free choice hay, and that's all they need. Or, or if you're mm-hmm. somebody who doesn't like to feed that much hay, to young stock, which that's, I mean, everyone has different management styles. You feed more of a growth formula. It kind of depends on what you want. That makes sense. And I, you know, and it also could go into play if, you know, if you work at home and you can feed them three times a day and split eight pounds right, of grain right. up, you can do that. But if you only can feed grain once a day, you probably don't want to feed your six-month-old well exactly yeah so yeah it all comes back see it comes back to it depends (laughs) it It depends depends on what your management style is what you know what I mean what you prefer to do what you have the ability to do it all comes into play and you know I would say that it's not that there's no such thing as a wrong answer because there's definitely wrong answers but there's more than one right answer and there's more than one right way to raise a foal, to feed a horse, all of those things. And so, you know, I, I was just talking about this with one of my mentors a couple of weeks ago about the split between forage and grain for a growing horse. And I would say old school way of thinking was more 50-50. So half hay, half hard feed. It's maybe shifted a little bit in current days, but it still works you know, there's no evidence to say that feeding 50-50 mm-hmm. results in more um, developmental issues than if you were to feed 70% hay, 30% grain. It's just about balancing their nutritional requirements. So for that growth feed, I mean, is it just the higher energy content in calories or is the you know, vitamin minerals a little bit more different than like, say a ration balancer. Like, I guess, what is the like nutritional differences that a foal needs to, you know, make sure that it can grow to its potential? I I would, okay. So going backwards for a second, broodmares have relative to their energy and protein needs, call it, or even just say energy needs. Broodmares have an increased need for certain nutrients like calcium, um, phosphorus, even protein, and things like vitamin A relative to what they need, relative to what they would need if they were open sitting in a pasture. Foals and growing horses don't have as dramatic of a difference, but 
they do have just an increased need for all of those nutrients proportionately to their weight compared to or relative to what they'll need when they're mature. And so that, that's kind of a doozy of a sentence, but in terms of how that then relates to growth formulas versus ration balancers, um, growth formulas will have increased amounts of things like vitamin A, things like calcium and phosphorus relative to their energy density and other factors so that when you feed at the appropriate rate, all of these different nutrients are matched to what the mares need. That's the same thing for a foal too. So, you know, they, their nutrient needs will be matched with the growth formula. If, you know, the, the difference between the growth formula or really any, call it for any, any formula with a higher feed rate, a growth performance, a senior thing, anything that's Mm -hmm. designed to be fed, you know, at, call it several pounds per day. The difference between that and a ration balancer is that the balancer is just that much more concentrated. So if you were to like think of, if you were to think of a scoop of feed as like as a pie in a growth formula, you know, this is very inaccurate numbers, but for the ease of imagery, since I'm talking on a phone, if you think of a piece of pie with a, with a growth formula, it'll be 25% 25% fat, 25% protein, 25% carbs, and then the remaining 25% will be a hodgepodge of all of the minerals. And so there's a lot more energy in that coming from the carbs, the fat, the protein, versus a balancer might be more 5% each of those major nutrients, the carbs, the fats, the protein, and 95% minerals. And so that's where you can get away with the one pound feed rate. And in terms of, as it applies to, as a yearling, you know, if they're getting all of their energy and protein out of 15 or 20 pounds of hay, give them three pounds of balancer, and that will give them all of those nutrients they need without, you know, without the, without the added energy that comes from a growth formula. Well, that makes sense to me. <laughs> I, I appreciate the pie example because I, 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 I'm I, a very visual person. So I am like trying, even just trying to say it out loud. I'm like, does that even make sense? I hope so. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. What are some common misconceptions that you guys might run into as far as feeding and stuff like that? Like, is there anything that you're like, yeah, we've heard this before, but no, this is wrong. You know, I think that most common misconception right now is that grain is bad. Your horse will, well, I don't want to be negative, but your horse will colic and die if, if they feed, if you feed grain, things like that, you know, any level of Mm -hmm. extreme response there. But I'm, I'm, you know, repeating myself here, but again, it comes back to matching what your horse needs calorically. Some horses cannot eat enough hay to meet their energy requirements. Some people Mm -hmm. can't, you know, they don't provide enough hay or they can't, you know, they can't acquire enough hay. You know, it's a little different. It's a different, like, okay, so my gelding Tio is the furthest thing from a nursing mare or a growing yearling. But so in Minnesota, we had plentiful access to pasture and round bales and things like that. So he could be on, 
he was on a 24 seven round bale and I had to worry about him even on a balancer because he was eating too much hay for his energy needs. We moved to Colorado. The barn we're boarding at doesn't have round bales. So they meal feed him twice a day. And so it's limited hay. It's still plenty enough to meet his needs. His gut health stays good, but because he's not on 24 seven hay, I actually have him on a little bit more than a balancer to meet his energy needs. And people aren't wrong. They're just, or they're just like a little misguided. I know the intention is good. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I just, I think people make a lot of assumptions that, you know, feed companies are horrible. We're just out to make a dollar. You know, we're going to give all of your horses laminitis, but really we're trying to feed your horse to keep them happy and healthy and optimize their health to let you guys do what you want to do. And within that, I mean, I will sell you a ration balancer or a vitamin and mineral supplement all day long if that's what your horse needs. Mm -hmm. I'll sell less bags that way, but I don't care because that's what your horse needs and that's what I'm trying to match to. But there are a lot of horses, you know, if you've got a barrel horse and you're working them five or six days a week, chances are just grass hay isn't going to cut it. They need something more than that to have the energy to get the calories to perform the work that you're doing together. And so it, you just need to find the right product for your horse. That makes sense. And so, you know, as the horse grows kind of that first year, if, you know, I, I think you've said it, if you monitor their body condition, you want to keep their growth, you know, at a level you don't necessarily want, and I know horses do what they want to do, but you don't want a huge spike in growth. And, you know, I know they do that, but if you can keep it as level as possible, that'll keep them healthy, keep them sound, you know, and then you just increase your feed if they need it, back it off. But you really just have to pay attention to your horse. But if you rely on these feeds that are formulated for that age in their life or stage in their life, then you're probably going to do pretty well no matter what. Yes. I, yeah, you're spot on there. I, you know, and I, what I say is that all of these formulas, all of these feeding charts, they're all a starting point. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to echo what you just said, if you're unsure of what to do, you know, start by picking a formula, picking a product that's formulated for your horse, for a growing horse, for a broodmare, um, et cetera. Start with the feeding charts. If you, you know, if you look at those feeding charts, if you've been doing this for a long time and you go, oh, my horses don't need that much, back down a little. If you know that your horses need more, like, so it's not like this hard and fast rule to follow these things, but they're just meant to be a starting point to give you a little guidance. And then, yeah, pay, you know, pay attention to your horse. You know, are they, do they seem comfortable? Are they happy? Are they running around? Is there weight seemingly staying steady and horse and growing horses they're going to go through growth spurts where they get ribby it'll slow down they're going to hit the ugly the ugly points they're going to be butt high they're going to be front end high like yeah that's just a part of of growth right you know we have all have the ugly ugly duckling stage but you know it's kind of seeing through all of that and going okay this they look right so it's like if there's if you can i would say for people going, well, what does right mean? You know, and you know, the best one size fits all answer for that would be if you can just barely see their ribs or if you can't see them, but you can, if they 
bend around to scratch their face with their back leg and it's in the sun, you want to maybe be able to see the ribs there. Or if you put your hand on their side, you should be able to feel them very easily. Um, so that's okay. kind of that starting point of what I would consider to be a, a healthy condition for a growing horse. Um, and, and I think another question you had down is kind of when some of those benchmark kind of nutritional changes happen. Um, and so like, as, as they're growing, like between that sixth and 18 month life, you know, between the six and 18 months of age, they're going to go up and down a lot. Like that's, don't panic. Like that's just, you know, it's like kids, you know, one second they're you know, one height, the next day they've grown six inches and their shoes don't fit. It's just what's happening. They're growing. There's a lot of changes. As they approach that two year mark, it should start to steady out. Their nutritional needs start to more closely resemble what they need when they're a mature horse. Um, and they're still, but by two years old, most of their skeletal growth is pretty much done. Um, you know, of course, there's still growth plates and things like that to close, but their frame is, it's done the bulk of its growing and they're starting to really develop like a lot of muscling, things like that. And so expect a lot of ups and downs before they hit that two year mark. But once they hit two, they should be a bit more even. And yeah, they'll still probably go through a, a butt high phase, but it'll be less rapid it'll be more like kind of like you'll be looking out there squinting and being like were they that downhill yesterday and it'll be that kind of change versus like bamboo when you look at them and it, they're just growing in front of you so if people are you know we talked about the ration balancers we've talked about the growth formulas and you know kind of those first two years and that's kind of what we wanted to focus on um and i know there's multiple lines of horse feeds and, you know, some people may not have access to Woody's, but like if somebody was going to the store and they wanted to check a feed label for these, I mean, what are kind of some benchmarks as well that they could look at? Like protein, fat, you know, a couple key ingredients, like if they wanted to look into it a little bit more, and I know this could be a whole nother podcast on itself, but what are some things people could look at to make sure that the feed they're buying has what they need? That's a, a great question and definitely one that lends itself to a whole, a whole <laughs> other podcast. But, I, you know, in, in short, for, for growth formulas, things like that, I would look at, you know, around 14, 15% crude protein. And I think any lower than that, um, you run the risk of not meeting protein requirements depending on your hay. So okay. again, a plug, a plug for testing your hay. Um, most grass hays that I've tested are very adequate in protein when you consider the amount that a horse is eating, amount that a broodmare is eating. But I've tested enough that are marginal for those lactating mares for a growing horse mm -hmm. that I would say you probably want a minimum of 14% crude protein. I wouldn't stress about going above 16%. I mean, and that's a narrow window. So if you've got a feed that you like that that's above that, um, that's fine. But, you know, I think the, the old way of thinking was like, oh, 18% for a growing horse. But if you actually do the math at how much they eat, you know, when that's balanced for, you know, the actual energy of the feed, they don't need that much protein. That's 
it, you're just making expensive pee. You're making a smelly stall that's more work for you to to clean up. So you I know, wanted I, to I, a- ask about that because that literally is like the one thing I remember that's, yes. from our nutritional class is being told like a lot of people be like, oh, more protein. You want protein, you know, protein, protein, protein. They, they were picking ingredients based on their protein. But like a horse can only process so much protein. Yes. Really, you're just paying more for really expensive feet. Yeah, exactly. And so again, jumping quickly back to the ration balancer, the it comes down to feeding rate because people will look at a balancer label and they'll see 30% protein and go, holy cow, that's too much protein. But it's 30% of one pound versus 14% of eight pounds. And so when you actually do the math, there's less protein in that one pound of 30%. Um, but, you know, going back to the growth formulas, yeah, it certainly used to be, oh, you have to feed at least 18% protein. And, you know, I actually, I just referenced our, what I call my Bible, the, the NRC book that we, the textbook that we had for class. That, mm-hmm. you know, thank goodness I didn't rent it that year. I actually bought it because I use it every day. But, um, you know, in, in that, I think that's from 2007, they talk about how, you know, there's not necessarily risk to feeding excess protein, but like you're just kind of, yeah, it's, you're just making an expensive pee. But there's actually been more research recently that's come out, mostly out of the University of Florida, that's actually proven that there are some negative effects to overfeeding protein, not necessarily to the horse unless they have like a kidney problem, but mm-hmm. you're, you're creating a lot of urea in the urine that's, you know, you know the result, like, there's like a lot of ammonia. Um, so there's even, um, what's the word? You can even potentially have respiratory issues yeah. if, if, you're, if you're feeding, you know, if you're feeding outside, it's one thing, but if it's the winter, and everything's closed up because I don't know what's, it's like one degree out right now. It's, you know, everything's closed up and there's a lot of ammonia in the air. That's think about how it feels on your nostrils. Like it's the same thing for the horse. And so, you know, I'm really trying to encourage people to lean away from high protein and really match what they need. Um, so getting back to your question and actually staying on topic, um, I would say for, you know, for growth feed, I'm looking around that 14 to 16% protein. I am a fan of high fat products, especially because, you know, that increases the energy density of the feed. So you can typically feed a little bit less. And anytime you can feed less grain, less hard feed, I think that's generally preferable. Mm -hmm. So looking for a higher fat, I would say, you know, seven or 8% and above, it'll, this goes back to the topic of making pelleted feed in a textured feed. You can, you'll find textured feeds will have higher fat values than pelleted feeds because it's really hard to make a good pellet. That's high fat. If they just do not go together. And so I would say, look for, you know, seven or 8% in a pelleted product. If you like textured feeds, look for 10% and above. That should be kind of your standard. Um, Um you know, I don't know in terms of the micronutrient tags, it's it's kind of hard just to make general numbers, but you're looking at, you know, over 1% calcium. I like to see calcium and phosphorus at a two to one ratio on the tag. Um, The highest copper and zinc that you can find, I would say, is 
you know, it's a little bit more modern nutrition, I would say, you know, compared to older tags, they didn't necessarily focus on that. But I think that's really coming into the mainstream right Mm -hmm. now of increasing copper and zinc. So I'd look for, I'd compare those values. Um, But really, I mean, any reputable company will be making a feed that nutritionally is balanced for the mare and the growing horse. Um, Like, so as long as you're choosing a reputable company, you're fine. And as long as you're feeding to the directions, you're fine. Um, I would look for feeds made in an ionophore free mill or drug free mill. Um, Those are cattle medications that are horses are very, very, very sensitive to. Um, I'd look for fixed formulas um, and ones that list specific ingredients. So um, the opposite to fixed formulas would be the least cost formulations, which has its place if you're on a budget. Um, But what that means is that the formula can change based on ingredient cost to the mill and where you are in the country. Mm -hmm. And again, if you compare broodmares and growing horses to a pasture puff that doesn't do anything, that pasture puff is maybe a bit more tolerant of little changes and like lots of adjustments to the formula. I want my broodmare, like I want her nutrition dialed in. I don't want anything changing. I want her system used to the food that she's getting so that it's able to absorb all of the nutrients to the best of its ability. So because of that, I'm looking for basically (laughs) consistency. That's, I guess that's my word of the day. But so if you're looking for fixed formulas, that means that those formulas are not changing. They're made with the exact same amounts of feed every single time so that you know what you're getting. Um, And again, if you pick, you know, a reputable company, the nutrition will also stay the same. You know, I've, I've heard the justification for least cost is that, oh, well, we're keeping the nutrition exactly the same because ingredients naturally vary. Well, if you pick a good company like Woody's, we're, we're actually, we're located up in Dickinson, North Dakota, which is like freezing all the time, but, yeah. that, but, but it is prime oat growing country and beet pulp growing country. That's where all sugar beets are grown. Basically it's in that region. So not only are we getting, you know, we're getting the best ingredients we're using, we're getting consistent ingredients. So our formulas are fixed, but also because we're getting the same ingredients from the same farmers every day, our nutrition is also fixed. So, but those, those are things that I would look at. Like I, I know not everyone has access to Woody's, but other companies that are fixed formulas, fixed nutrition, you know, high, moderate, call it moderate to high protein, high fat. That's what I would mm-hmm. look at. Okay. Um, I mean, th- those make it, at least for somebody like me, that's like, all right, give me five things to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you can see, you know, yeah. some focus points to make sure that I mean, we want our horses to be consistent. We want them to grow well. We want them to grow consistently. So keeping your feed consistent is yes. Yeah. And pretty important too. And, and I would say, I forget. Cause I just, I am deep in this every single day, but in terms of tells for if something is a fixed formula or not, um, look at the ingredient list. If it lists by collective terms, like plant protein product or plant byproduct, that's probably code for soybean meal or beet pulp. 
which are great products, mm. or it could be other things. So look for specific ingredients that are listed. Um, and if, and just because it's printed on a sew-on tag doesn't mean it's not fixed. Um, but if the ingredient list is printed on the bag, you can pretty much guarantee that that's a fixed formula. Um, just because we, we order bags in like a hundred thousand units and you don't change that on a whim. So, oh, that, I mean, that, so, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking like right now at the growth pellet, um, on the website and it specifically lists, it starts with dried plain beet pulp, sun cured alfalfa meal, oat, soybean meal, flaxseed meal. Like it lists. Yes. Exactly what the ingredient is versus just like you said, plant product. And, and just because, and I don't want to speak badly on anything or speak down. And so just because something is listed as that collective term doesn't mean that they're not using the same thing every time. It's just not a guarantee the way having it printed specifically is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you're, I, I don't take that as anything negative. Like it's just, it just informs you of what you could be getting. Yes. And I, you know, and I also, in terms of other things to look for, I always look for, you know, more information, not less. Mm -hmm. um, so the more information that's on the tag or on the website or, you know, easily accessible, that, again, it's not to say that any other company doesn't also have that information, but when you print it on the web and put it out in the world, you're kind of, you're guaranteeing it. And any guarantee equals consistency, which I won't repeat myself there, but that's a yeah. good thing. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure we're going to get this question um, afterwards. So I just want to ask it if people wanted to get their hay tested, like what, what could they do? So there are a couple of different companies. Um, I send my sample. This is, I don't have any ties to them other than just a good relationship with them. I send all of our samples to Equi Analytical in Ithaca, New York. Um, there are a number of other labs. There, there's Dairy One and Equi Analytical at, in New York. And then Dairyland Labs is the one in Wisconsin. Um, with that, you just want to, anywhere you go, you just want to make sure you get a horse package. Um, okay. Equi Analytical is the easiest because they're just horse specific. So you'll know that you're getting horse energy values, things like that. Um, all, most of these other labs have that option as well, but just look for a horse specific package. I would make sure that you're also getting trace minerals like copper, zinc, manganese, iron, all of those. Those aren't always included in the basic package, but definitely worth spending the money on. Okay. Um, I would, if you are testing a grain, you will, so there's two different ways of testing. There's something called NIR and then there's wet chemistry. Wet chem is always going to be more expensive because you're actually, the little, the little laboratory scientists in their white coats are actually doing the mad scientist tests on your specific product. Um, NAR is when they're scanning it and using basically predictive modeling. If you have hay, I would say if, you if you're just testing it for kind of base knowledge, you've got a generally healthy horse, you can get the cheaper test, which is NIR. 
Um, if you're worried, if you've got like specific problems, if you've got a metabolic issue or something like that, I would maybe spring to get the slightly more accurate wet chemistry test. Um, and basically okay. the, the tell will be the price. Um, <laughs> if it's more expensive, it's probably wet chem. If it's less expensive, it's probably NIR. I send all of my hay samples out for NIR. Um, I trust that it's, it is, it is accurate. Um, okay. I'm, and I'm, I'll, we'll, we'll get that link and post it. With yeah. This and episode, I'm just trying so. to think of, I know there are smaller companies also. Um, so I think that if you find a smaller company, just check to see if they have a horse package and okay. like look for the, you want to look for horse DE or it's horse digestible energy. That's the big one that most dairy and beef cattle labs like you want to make sure you have that horse digestible energy because that's different from cattle values. And then just make sure you get a trace mineral package. Well, I sure appreciate your time. Um, like I said, we're going to have to have you back on. Cause, yeah, I'd love you know, to. We all ride colts. We all then then run horse older horses. So I would love to be able to talk about everything else um, and as the stages progress. But thank you for joining us today. And we can't wait to have you back. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, and a special thanks to Dr. Catalano for sitting down with us. Make sure you check out Woody's Horse Nutrition, and don't forget to book your breeding contract for He's a Fiery Fling today. Run fast, be safe, and we'll see you next time.